Hello and welcome to the Psychoactive Entheogens Podcast. My name is Michael Pierce, your host, and with me as always, the co-host and founder of the Psychoactive Nonprofit Association, Ram Crutch. Hello everyone and thank you for tuning into the show. We'll be right back right after this short message from our sponsors. Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Psychoactive Intelligence Podcast. We have a very special guest today. He is the founder of Soiree and host of the Psychedelic Diaries podcast. Prior to launching the show, he built and led a team that developed a vision AI neural network model for mental health diagnostics. He is a product leader with a focus on healthcare, AI, and psychedelics. Uh, his name is Ray Christian. How are you doing today, Ray? Thanks for joining us. I'm great, Graham. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Um, we also have on with us Michael Pierce, our co-host, and uh, we're hoping to get Grant back on here soon. But uh, thank you, everyone, for joining the show. And Ray, we wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about Soiree, the company that you are working with, and a little bit about um, your podcast and what you're really doing in the psychedelic industry. And if you want to tell our guests a little bit about yourself. and Sure, of course. So uh, in your wonderful intro, you kind of touched on it, but I'm a product guy, have been for a long time building technology. And uh, as I came out of the closet for psychedelics, I tried to think about what would be the fastest way to help. And then, of course, selfishly to network a little bit and get to know some of the leaders. And sure. so uh, the, what I ended up with was this concept called Soiree, which is a community for the bold explorers the people that are doing, that are engaging intentional large doses now on their own. And maybe with a guide, maybe without, maybe solo. A lot of my work has been solo. So that was kind of the idea to build a support network for the solo travelers, the 30 million active psychedelic users across the U.S. And all due respect to the medical path and clinical trials and all that good stuff. I think they're like the lead blocker opening up a lane. So the running back guys like myself and smaller companies can run through the hole. But for me, it's, it's more of a focus on harm reduction, people that are doing it now and getting people a chance to connect and have dialogue with other travelers because these experiences are so challenging and uh, ineffable. And sometimes the one thing you really need is just a chance to talk with someone like you that's been there, that's done it and kind of unpack it. Sure. Sure. Now, when you say large doses, what, what, uh, we'll talk a little bit later about your, your heroic dose. Um, but when you, you say a large dose it meaning people that have already experienced a few trips or, or are you tailoring this towards people that are, are taking those macro and, heroic doses that are on like a whole nother level of understanding a psychedelic experience than someone who only dabbles with a gram or two. Definitely the bigger doses. Uh, I love microdosing, and I think it's kind of a, 
it's one of the reasons that psychedelics is, is having a renaissance. Even these little medium doses, the gram or two, or gram and a half, as you mentioned, those are great too for introspection, museum, going to a park. But for me, my specialty, my focus, and where things really got interesting was these larger doses. And to your, your, your point, I think it's a little bit different for everybody. But for me, I found that anything over two grams, you might start bending dimensions and some funky stuff can happen. And I've taken four grams and had the most lucid experience. And I've taken like two and a half grams before and been blasted off like Matt McConaughey and Interstellar into some gargantuan black hole. So right. anything Depends over two the, for the me strain, is strain, right? right? And the strain, Depends yes. Strain, how it was grown. It's a kind of like cannabis, the quality of the the experience is the quality of the the product uh, um, and the uh, the strength. I know that I've had amazing experiences with very small doses if they are if I've taken freshly grown psilocybin mm. rather than something that's dried out um, and not been properly um shared or storage right so do you want to talking about dosages let's just hop into your your uh, largest heroic dose and i have a lot of questions about that um but if you want to tell everyone how much you took and and i guess the reasoning why you decided to take so much of course so nine grams was the amount Penis Envy was the strain, and I appreciate your call out of recently grown and freshness because I think it does deplete over time. This was, I had grown it about two months prior, so pretty fresh. And my experience over the last five years was primarily somewhere between two and four grams once a month. And in my mind, I was like, that's the thing. You can have the massive blast off. You can have the lucid, fun, giggles, and visuals. Anything can happen. That's the ticket to the theme park. That's the price of admission. Sure. And then I started talking to a couple of the older heads in the industry. And uh, they said, well, I don't know about that. Sometimes you get to the 5, 10, 15 or more, and it's just a different experience. And being the founder of Soiree, and running this podcast, Psychedelic Diaries, I, I realized I kind of felt like I needed to have a foray into a big ass dose, even though I still kind of believed that three and a half, you could, you could have a full ego death, et cetera, on those smaller doses. And so that was kind of in the back of my mind. And every once in a while, someone would ask me, hey, what's your biggest dose? And I'll say, oh, you know, four, four and a half. And I could kind of see the disappointment in their eyes. And so maybe a little bit was peer pressure, but um, I also wanted to know, like, if there's more that the mushrooms can show me on these bigger doses, then I want to see it. And it's hard to really pinpoint how it hit, but it kind of felt like like Neo in the Matrix when he downloaded and he was like, I, kn I know Kung Fu now. All of a sudden, right. this, this idea was just kind of downloaded into my brain from wherever, and it said nine grams, nine. So, so I dove in. Wow. And by taking uh, almost triple of what a normal dose would be for some, an experienced uh, psychonaut or 
or Tripper, do you, how'd you get the, I guess, courage leading up or the preparation mentally and, and getting that set and setting right to even feel comfortable taking that amount? Great question. I, I thought about it as kind of a spectrum. And in my mind, I, I see these experiences as it's like a relationship. And for me, psilocybin, I've dabbled with others, LSD, MDMA, San Pedro, but psilocybin is my ally, I think. And so after five years of these bigger doses and having ego death a couple of times, meeting God, I felt pretty confident that whatever it was going to show me, my brain was in a spot where it could handle what it was going to show me. And having said that, like, even now, you would think after, I think I've done probably a hundred trips. I think you would think I'd go into it feeling like the Terminator, like, Hey, this ain't no thing. And yet every single time I do it, I get a little bit scared and a little bit anxious. And, And then this time was more so, but, uh, my, my partner actually were, we're breaking up pretty soon, but she's a wonderful woman. She, she had done, uh, she's probably in her fifth or sixth dose, and she got some download that said do fit 14 grams because she wasn't breaking through. So she had done 14 grams about a month and a half before I did, and she was fine. And I mean, more than fine. She had this beautiful revelation and life-changing experience. So that really helped. Um, a buddy of mine, Carlos Plazola, he's the head of Decrim Nature, the guy that got Oakland decriminalization through. Um, I had forgotten, but we were hanging out in Oakland one day and he told me he had done nine and I had forgotten that, but I think it was kind of like it incepted me, Leo mm-hmm. DiCaprio kind of. And so that yeah. maybe is where I got it. So I'd heard of these people doing it. And yet, even with all that, I was still a little bit shook going into it. <laughs> and right. so I think, well, one thing was surprising. Actually, the harder part was eating it. Like I already have trouble getting it down, even the three and a half, getting nine down. That was like, that was like an athletic effort. And it was, you know, and then it started, I started feeling it. I mean, it took me like like eight, nine minutes, I think, to, to steep it, to eat it, to get it down. And I was already starting to feel it somehow, I think. So getting the set and setting was important. And I appreciate that part of the question because I wasn't sure what my intention was going to be. And I knew, I felt that maybe, on a big dose like this that like you want to have your intention dialed in. And so and I, I didn't have one going into it right up to consuming. I didn't know what it was. And I got these intention cards from this company called Guella Mushroom. And I shuffled it and plucked one and it was perfect. And uh, I've been going through a lot of upheaval and trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, where I'm going to go, where I'm going to go with my next profession, career, you know, you know breaking up with a, a partner, etc. And I pulled this card and and it was perfect. It just said, show me how I can make the most of the opportunity in front of me. So I made that my intention and, and got comfortable with it and did a whole kind of prep, uh, cold shower, breathing exercise, meditation, spoke the intention, one hit of cannabis and consumed. Nice. And, uh, and were you the revelations or experience where you shown kind of a path and what did did setting that intention actually guide the trip in in that way? One hundred percent. I I didn't know what to expect, 
and it's like they say, you don't get what you want, you get what you need. Like what I wanted to do was just be like, hey, help me with money. Like, you know, just help out yeah. finances and all that stuff. And I had this sense of this idea struck me. was like, that ain't it. That, that's not a good intention and that's not the way to do it. And so this open-ended show me how to make the most of the situation intention led to three things. The first one was a, uh, it was almost like I was 10 years old again. And this higher dimension being that was almost like manifested as my grandfather when I was 10 years old said, grab my hand and said, okay, let's take a look. Let's look at some of the things you've done. And it was like a museum tour of accomplishments, sacrifices, thoughtful decisions. And it's been a challenging few years. And this sense that there is even the stuff that you do that you feel like nobody sees or understands when you're trying to do the right thing, et cetera, someone or something sees it. And that was meaningful to me in a way that's hard to describe a sense of like, no, someone has been watching and seeing that I've been sacrificing and I've been trying to do the right thing consistently for a long time. That was the big first takeaway. The second one was this idea that like just the butterfly effect, ripple effect that one decision can completely change the whole path. And um, as I mentioned, the living situation, romantic situation, next professional move. Uh, speaking of Neo Kung Fu downloads, the big revelation was this one. About 30 minutes in, all the uncertainty came down to one single moment. And I was, it was like, thunder clapped from like a lightning bolt from on high from Zeus and Mount Olympus. And it said, Ray, move to Medellin. <laughs> and that was not the answer I was expecting or the revelation, but it came through clear as HD 5K. And I said, okay. And, and so I did. And I, and I am. Um, and then the third one was um, the sense that there's been a lot of talk about bad trips and for my money it's almost like a, that's a misnomer. I don't think there is such a thing as a bad trip. I think there's certainly going to be tough ones, but a lot of times the best learnings are in those. And in the soiree, all the, the members in that community, we talk about our trips, we do trip notes and share. And, um, and some of them are earlier in their path. And they had talked about that first or second or third big, Simon trip. That can be a tough one. And kind of reliving it vicariously through them sharing and talking and, and show, posting their trip notes in soiree. I almost wanted to feel a tough trip again, a bad trip, so to speak. And, and so I kind of broke some rules. I partied the night before. I drank a little bit. I smoked a little bit. I kind of ate junk food the night before. And I didn't really, as I mentioned, plan my intention. And obviously just the biggest dose by far I'd ever done. And, and yet, with all of that, even breaking some of the rules, I even listened to some, you know, kind of negative lyrics when the journey first started in my playlist. You're not supposed to have any words. I, I had some, some biggie gangster rap in a couple of the songs, et cetera. And even with all that, the trip was just overwhelmingly blissful. And it left me with that third takeaway, which was that once you get through the first couple tough trips, the, the vast majority of your trips are going to be blissful and illuminating. Sure.
Sure. As long as you feel in your comfort zone, right? Like that you think a lot of people don't really know where to, where do I go? I have kids. I have a, I'm in a relationship. I, I have work tomorrow and I don't ever have time off. And it's, you know, we talk Mm. about, you know, when do you, where do you find that, that time? Not everyone's fortunate enough to be able to walk into the forest or have a sacred space set in their house. You know, what do you say to people that want to experience something like that? But, but uh, do you, do you have to pay a, you know, a few thousand dollars to go to a retreat when you can have that same experience in your backyard? Um, Do you find a babysitter? Like how do you work or what have you seen on the website? That's a great question. And that's pretty much why I, I, I launched Soiree because so the, the short answer is solo can be done if done properly. You don't need to go to get a guide and, and deep Amazon and drop 5,000 bucks or a trip sitter. Or maybe you do, but some people don't. And I certainly didn't. And the reason I've, I found this out was because so I had been doing it in the shadows like a dirty criminal, obviously, for years. And I didn't even research. I didn't know that there wasn't an industry yet. Now we see an industry growing. But so I just kind of dove in. And so when I started on the podcast and interacting with a lot of these thought leaders, great, they're doing these guided trips or they're training you how to be a trip sitter or they're going to have you in a retreat to Jamaica or whatever. And I would tell my stories. I'll say, you know, I did this X, Y, or Z trip solo. And it was almost like they were treating me like a pariah, as if I was some big asshole for doing that. And it was kind of off-putting and somewhat shocking. And so what I did was I started taking the clips from the show and posting them on TikTok. And I started then just talking about my story, kind of in the name of harm reduction. Like, look, this is what I've done. It's been solo. It's been big doses in my own living room solo. And, And I was kind of shocked. People were just coming out of the woodwork saying, me too, I am also. All these people were saying it. And not only that, they, they kept saying, we just want to talk with other people that are doing it. We don't want a five-hour course, 10-hour course, or I can't afford a trip to the Amazon, or I can't drop a couple grand on a guide right now, but I do want to explore. And so I said, okay, this is it. This is the reason we're going to do soiree. And so we built this little support community around that to share advice. We've got this the silo solo guide, as we call it. Everyone, every person that joins gets this free guide for solo trips. Now, having said that, if you can, for the first couple trips, do it with at least a friend for the big trips, first couple, I think that's good. But some people don't even have that. Some people don't have a friend they can trust. Maybe they're in you know, the Midwest. A lot of times in middle America, it's a little bit more, a little more conservative. So we, want, so we wanted to find a way to answer their needs, the people that they're not going to have a guy, they're not going to go to the Amazon and they're not, they don't even have a friend they can do with. What about them? And so there is a way to do it solo. And if you're purely solo the whole way through, you got to kind of ramp up to the bigger doses, but there is a way to do it. Sure. And uh, that's kind of how Mike, you got started in with doing your sound healing in your sessions. It's like you you trip by yourself and then you invite one person and then, it turns into this kind of community, right? That everybody's. Yeah, you know, I've I've done um, 
a lot of solo journeys and some of the deeper ones, I've kind of preferred it. And it's been one of those things that spontaneously in a time that I wasn't necessarily planning on it, where the space opened up and I was alone and thought, hey, let's take some mushrooms or something. And then what I do like when you're alone is because you're so isolated and maybe you're in your own bed and you're left there with your own devices and own struggles and there's no other influence. So yes. I think there's a, a very important place for that. Um, there's also, and there's also a place for small groups, five or six, where you're kind of doing it together. But yes. um, I'm a fan of the solo journeys myself. So, Right. Yeah, I feel that that way as well. There's too much outside stimulus. And I feel uh, for anyone who's who's had an experience, you know, the, the that you not only can like see people's energies and moods and emotions, um, at least I feel that I can or have a much more sensitivity to that. And then I begin to trip on their emotional state rather than my own if that makes sense yeah that's why in ayahuasca ceremonies they don't want you to touch each other at least until near the end because you start to take on their stuff or the relationship uh, you have with them agreed and it's almost like on the solo trips uh, to your points there's value in all of them group guided whatever but solo trips deserve a spot in that rotation and to your point mike like the isolation does something not getting to the energy as well mixed up also i think helps and for me it's like on the solo trips it's just nice to not have to worry about what to do with my face what to say how to be a thing how to be a human and instead just be as absolutely positively weird as you need to be And my small group of friends I have gotten together with, it was, there's an understanding that we might get a little weird here pretty soon, but we all know because we work together. But when you're by yourself, you know, it reminds me, side story, is that we don't act a certain way and don't express a certain amount of creativity if we're being watched. And there's something about being in a place where you know you can dance weird or make a weird face or a strange sound or speak in another language if that's what comes out, you know. Right. Yeah, there's a definite, um, there's a definite, uh, I think your ego, and that's what I'm more interested in is, is that we, our ego will, will still play a big role in putting on that fronted personality that makes the personality that you feel like you have to be for someone else rather than uh, what you feel comfortable in with yourself. Totally. Yeah, that, that's a fascinating concept of you're less creative if you're being watched. And and I used to do, so I when I would do some of the solo trips and then alternate with groups or with even a friend, I'm not a guide. I don't pretend to be. I'm not a shaman. But I would, friends would ask me, hey, can you help me? Can I do a session with you? And, uh, and so I did. And I realized that I had to tell them it would be one-on-one and I would be tripping with them. And I literally had to say, do not seek out or expect any eye contact. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, they're coming and talking to you and trying to interact. And like, that's, that's just not what you should be expecting sometimes if you want a truly introspective journey. Sure. Sorry about the background. I wanted to ask a little bit about this 
psychedelic diaries podcast and what you're doing there with the the psychedelic diaries podcast what are you guys talking about and what uh what does that look like in in relationship with soiree is it connected or yes so uh it's pretty exciting i had done an la uh radio show gig a while back so i got you know okay it flattened my gums on the mic and so when i was trying to figure out how do i help this industry this podcast and my mentors like, dude, do a podcast. It'll be the best networking tool. And sure enough, it was. And so I did. And we just wrapped our 48th episode and season one is in the books. And we're going to take a little Larry David, Kirby enthusiasm style break, extended break. But um, it was it is tied to soiree. And it really was the genesis of soiree. Um, there is no soiree without psychedelic diaries. And the idea was just kind of a, a show slash podcast where it's, you know, we're usually about 30 minutes where we get in, we have a nugget and a noodle, a quick piece of news, a noodle, which is a little bit of opinion or editorial. And then we go in with a guest and we've gotten, we got really lucky. We got Jim Fadiman, Carlos Plazola, Dennis McKenna, Saad Shah, a lot of these really influential guys. And we just pepper them with some questions and kind of like you're doing, which I love mm -hmm. about this show is that, you're getting into like the actual experience. We're not pontificating about like, what do you think about like these medical assays and these clinical trials and, and the theoretical, it's like no personal firsthand experience. And yeah, so that's, we were talking what about our guests are, you know, is that they, they're interested in our, our listeners. I mean, are interested in, you know, how do I get into microdosing? What's going to happen if I take a, a larger dose? Uh, who do I talk to about, about it afterwards what's where do i get started how do i go about it um what should i be worried about or not that uh, you know and that's i i feel as being inexperienced uh, inexperienced to what i feel like um somebody who i still feel inexperienced in terms of all the different psychedelics that can be experienced and the different dosages right um but definitely have more experience than someone just getting into it. So I asked the questions that I had when I first got started, you know, and, and each person that uh, I can have on that can kind of enlighten their viewpoints and perspectives. I feel like it's a good base for the education needed um, in the psychedelic industry and, or in this new, these new modalities of healing mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, you know, people are looking for something else, something that our parents didn't try and fail at or something without side effects or something that I can try a few times um, and not have to be uh, dependent on it every 30 day prescription, every two day, you know, two pills a day type um, band aid for their healing. Right. So. You know, it's it goes both ways. Um, everybody that we have on here, I feel, is is an enlightened guide, teacher, motivational speaker for the up and coming um, self medicating patients. Right? I don't look at it as, as consumerism um, when you're talking about the types of experiences you can have. It like money can't really buy that uh, type of experience or or healing in such a short amount of time, in my opinion. Yeah. And like, there's this misconception that if you do a big dose, you're going to turn into a hippie. And 
it's it's just so much more nuanced than that. You're not going to turn into anything you don't want to be. Turn into a Jedi mind of yourself, right? And and really, anyone that I've ever talked to that has tried this and had some of these experiences want to share it um, in whatever way they can. I mean, I I got up and moved states. Like you're living in Colombia now after a, a psychedelic experience, which most people would never be brave enough to take that and would question it. Right. Um, but you already knew it was the right decision. Now it's, how do I go about getting there? Correct. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good point, Grant, where it's like, they, they say that, and if you go back to like the stoned ape theory that these psychedelics, especially psilocybin, they give you courage and, I, I so to be clear, I, I had booked the flight. I'm moving to Medellin in about ten days, but uh, I when I had that idea, it was like three days later. Usually after a big trip, I try to say wait five days. If you have any grand ideas, big changes, just wait five days. Let it kind of settle, and then if it still sounds like a reasonable thing to do, then do it. But for some reason, on this one, it was two days in. It was like the mushrooms were saying no book this move, do this now. Don't let, don't let yourself BS your way through this one. Cause it's an easy one to get afraid of. You can rationalize your way out of this move. And, sure. and I did. So two days in I did, and I wouldn't have had the courage to do this or, uh, or quite a few other endeavors in my life if it wasn't for psychedelics. And another thing that I've found grant was that the psychedelics, my career was like, okay, it was a ho-hum career, accountant, CPA, sales guy, et cetera, for years. And then I founded a tech company. And at the same time, I started exploring this intentional recurring work. And I don't think it was a coincidence that my career started to take off as soon as I started with intentional psilocybin. And a lot of fun things started happening because I had the balls, the chutzpah to try new things and to be bold. And I, I credit that to the mushrooms. Right. We're seeing things differently. I, I don't know if you've seen the How to Change Your Mind with Michael Pollan on the new Netflix. Everyone's talked talking about it, but there's a yes. In the first episode, I believe he, he's talking about a trial that was going on that they took 40 or 45 different entrepreneurs or scientists, um, mathematicians, kind of a mixed group and all that were working on a, a particular problem um, and couldn't complete the the uh the calculations i guess right couldn't solve the problem and yes. after their their psychedelic trip all of them all 40 or 45 were able to successfully complete their task at hand right yeah exactly this is uh it's inspired i think from jim fadiman's work he's one of the living legends in the space and he was like actively doing one of these creativity clinical trials in the 60s and they had these guys that were working on some really vexing problems, design-wise, engineering, et cetera, and they couldn't solve it. And after months, they still couldn't solve it. These are bright people. And they dosed them with LSD, and they let them kind of zone out for a couple hours first and adjust. And then they said, okay, get cracking on this problem. And every single one of them came to a resolution on their problem. It led to patents. It led to breakthroughs, career breakthroughs, and it's there's an idea grant that they say that it's like creativity is 
it may not be a thing, like a, a muscle in your mind that's a thing. It may actually instead be the absence of a thing and the absence of perhaps depression, anxiety, and fear. When you take those away and the mind can just be in a state of wonder and awe and in the moment, a lot of times that's when these brilliant ideas can be plucked from the sky. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see um, the the legalization or decriminalization of psychedelics. I, I'm very interested to see kind of this new renaissance of creativity and inventions and patents and trademarkings and and I feel like it's already happening now with many people quitting their jobs. Um, mm. You know, you went from working tech and, and, you know, designing apps. And I know that that's um, a grind, I'm sure, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week. And then just by the series of events led to the podcast and soiree and now you're about to move to Colombia and can work remotely or, you know, many people can't move because of an established life that they've created and built and worked very hard to, you know, the house, the car, the kids, the schools, the, all of it that you, you wouldn't be able to fulfill that psychedelic revelation because all that other stuff would, well, I know I'm supposed to move to Colombia, but I have to stay because of A, B, C, and D which I feel like would lead to more, more anxiety, depression, or in some people like, uh, you know, I'm still not fulfilling my true path or passion or living, you know, the life that I should be living, um, which could then lead to your relationship issues or resentments with your partner and or, you know, the life that you've built, you'll start to, right? I mean, how do, how do you, what would you say to anyone who's going through that as you just just so have i feel in in so many ways yeah it's it's a good point i love i love how you talked about this renaissance of creativity because i think that's the under that's the the aspect of this that doesn't get as much publicity a lot of people are talking about what it can do for mental health and great we triage the people that are struggling but it's also good for people that are already at baseline but they're feeling a sense of dissatisfaction where it's like okay i've got i've got the wife i got the kids or the husband and picket fence but just something still feels off and those people that are looking for purpose that feel that sense of dissatisfaction they deserve answers and tools as well and i think what happens with a lot of people with a lot of us happened to me is that we get stuck in a loop and it's it's like ants this, this ant colonies they get stuck in what's called a death loop if you google it or youtube it's fascinating and it's this loop where they just they're following these pheromones and they get stuck in this death loop and they walk in a loop in a circle until they die and the idea is that the same thing happens to us and it's much more nuanced and it's much more uh you know textured than that in our lives but we kind of get stuck in a loop and that loop of oh, I can't move there, I can't start the company, I can't do the, the, the bold thing, I gotta keep doing this job, I gotta pay the mortgage, et cetera, then leads to a deep sense of dissatisfaction, that nagging sense that I'm missing, I'm missing something. And then what we found as I was in mental health for a long time in, in that uh, mental health tech, is that oftentimes depression, anxiety, and of course addiction, they, they don't just come out of the blue. They start with just like a death by a thousand cuts. 
And oftentimes that sense of dissatisfaction of something's being off, being stuck in a loop over and over like a Bill Murray Groundhog Day turns into then the depression, the anxiety, and then the addiction. And so what psychedelics do is help you break out of that loop and listen to your intuition that might be telling you, hey, it's time to move somewhere. Hey, it's time for a career switch. Hey, it's time to break up with that unhealthy relationship you're in. Or does it change the perspective on the loop that you might have more gratitude or, you know, reposition your feelings? And I say it almost every episode, and I'm sure that I need to hear it. And that's why it comes up in every show. But it's like you become the you're you're no longer the victim. You're you're being rewarded. You know, it, it isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. Mindset that I feel like wow. psychedelics really help with. And, and so you may still, for any listeners that like, you know, you may still not be able to get up and move to Columbia right away, but if you can still gain some different perspectives, right. And different energies, positivities, realize that like you make it, you manifest it. So until you can take that next step or move or, or whatever the, the case may be, um, you know, you're at least putting on a smile and, and grateful for where you're at that day, right? Being, being able to be present and appreciative. That's funny that you said that. My, my first big trip, I had an encounter with God, as I said, and, and what I walked away from it was, amongst many things, was I realized that my new religion, if you call it that, is gratitude. So I love that you said that because if you walk with it and live with a sense of gratitude, everything just gets this lens of pleasantness and a lens of clarity. And I had a, the tech company that I built, this AI tech company eventually went down after seven years, even though it looked like we were about to do the Zuckerberg leap and help a lot of people and went down. And I went into the full on uh, you know, hero's journey, Joseph Campbell into the void and questioning everything. And I realized, just as you said so beautifully, one of my little mantras in an interesting synchronicity, I've been saying that. This, this adversity doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And totally agree. If you can walk and live with a sense of gratitude, life becomes like Alan Watts says. It's like it's almost like a game. You just don't take it so seriously. Be sincere, but just enjoy it. All right. And, and if you can realize, like, it's more sweeter. It's sweeter after the struggle, right? Like mm. anything really is is uh that's what what i feel that a lot of people need to to hear um and luckily we're out here trying to you know enlighten people just a little bit with our opinions and and viewpoints with some experience um i know we need to get wrapped up soon here uh, i definitely would like you to tell our listeners where they can find you, what you're doing now, anything you'd like to plug. Of course. Well, first off, thanks for what you guys are doing, getting out there and putting together the show and letting people tell their stories. And I think that's the critical thing we need in psychedelics is people like us just having a microphone quite literally to work with and share the stories. So uh, appreciate what you guys are doing, having me on the show what would make my make my day and warm my heart is if try out soiree and we made a little promo code for I know the founder of psychoactive nonprofits Graham Cracker so we made a promo code it's just Graham fifty G R A M fifty and it's fifty percent off the soiree membership 
and it's just soiree.com with an extra little P in front of it, kind of like with psilocybin and psychedelics. So P-S-O-I-R-E-E.com, Gram 50 will get you forever a 50% discount for your listeners. Awesome. I appreciate that. We'll definitely have the link in the description of the podcast available on Spotify, Google, Apple, uh, basically any main streaming site you get your podcast on and on the psychoactive.com website. Once again, thank you, Ray, for joining us. Uh, amazing uh, story you had, and we'd love to uh, work with you in the future and have you on the show again. And when I circle back and we get season two of Psychedelic Diaries, same goes. We'd love to have you guys on. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you, sir. You have a great day. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into the show. Please share this podcast with anybody that you know that could benefit from this information and join us next week for another exciting episode. If you or someone you know would like to be featured on our show, please reach out. Our contact information can be found in the description. Psychoactive is a nonprofit association committed to psychedelic education and the advocacy for entheogen plants, fungi, and cacti for the millions of people around the world suffering with mental, emotional, and spiritual issues. Visit our website, psychoactive.com, for new products and services, including our advanced psychotherapy treatments and our new apparel line. Having a bad trip? Call our toll-free psychedelic hotline to speak to one of our patient consultants at 1-833-795-6633. Psychoactive Entheogens podcast is for psychedelic education and resources only and never claims to give or offer medical, health, dietary, therapeutic, or financial advice. We do not advocate, advise, or recommend the consumption, cultivation, manufacturing, or selling of any illegal drugs regulated under the U.S. Controlled Substance Act and always recommend checking with your physician before taking any mind-altering substances. Music for the Psychoactive Entheogens podcast provided by Frozen Turtle. For ice cold beats, check them out on Spotify or YouTube after this episode. You can click on the link found on the Psychoactive website to take you to all of his new music.